And so what we want to do is change the way people do business into where if you're an entrepreneur, that you just automatically know that you need to be giving to a nonprofit. You have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. Discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Brought to you by your host, Dorothy Ilson. I'm thrilled to announce to you our guest today, Tommy Barretts. Tommy started his first business in his apartment while he was 25 years old, working as a barback, washing dishes, cleaning bathrooms, and mopping up puke. He grew that business into a multi-million dollar business with over 200 employees that he then sold for seven figures plus. That has given Tommy the leverage to chase his dreams of being a stand-up comedian, actor, producer, and serial entrepreneur. He's now doing that through Project Punchline, a for-purpose business which holds comedy shows and live events, donating the proceeds to a different nonprofit each month. Tommy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'd love to kick things off by hearing what you are most pumped about in your life right now. Obviously, I'm most pumped about uh, having the ability to be able to chase my dreams. Uh, My wife and I just moved to Los Angeles about nine months ago. So it's been an incredible journey so far. And you know, with Project Punchline, we're doing some great things. So there's just all around a lot of good things going on. Awesome. Well, you know, Tommy, paint the picture for me. You're 25 years old. You're working in a bar. Did you know that starting a business was your end goal? Or what was going through your head at that time in your life just before jumping into entrepreneurship? So obviously, I'm working at a bar. I'm not even good enough to be a bartender. I'm a bar back. So I'm cleaning dishes, you know, mopping up puke. Sometimes I'd be somewhat of a bouncer. And so it's actually pretty good that I had that job because obviously I wanted to get out of it. And so I read a book by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and another book by Jack Canfield, The Success Principles, that really got my mind moving in the direction of entrepreneurship. The minute I got the idea, I started moving towards that goal of being an entrepreneur. And what was that idea? So I had worked in water parks before, and I had worked for pool companies. And in Houston, Texas, every neighborhood has a swimming pool. And so you hire lifeguards and you you take care of the, the contract for the, for the neighborhood or for the university. And so I knew how to do that. And I got the idea. I was like, you know, I, I did it for somebody else. I can do it for myself. And so I started researching and working towards that goal to make it happen. And then I started my own business. Wow, it's it's so impressive. And I, I talk to people all the time who are unsatisfied with their jobs. They want to make more money, et cetera. But they're really paralyzed because they just don't know what to do. And I've heard you talk before about how important it is to start with what you know. So could you go a little bit into detail on how you took what you knew about swimming pools and turned that into a viable business plan? Yeah. So obviously you've got to start somewhere with what you know. And since I knew how to deal with swimming pools, I took that knowledge. Swimming pools was not my my absolute dream job, right? But I knew how to do it. And so I took that and I created a business around that because I knew I could be successful doing that and I could make money doing that. And because of that, it gave me the ability to grow a business. And again, this isn't my dream job. It's just something that I knew how to do. 
but I knew that over time it would give me leverage. And I had the idea whenever I started the business that I knew at the end I wanted to sell the business. So I had that, at least that nugget in my mind, I'll start this business, I'll grow it, and then I'll sell it at some point. And because I had the experience within the pool industry, it made it a little bit easier to jump into entrepreneurship. So I know that going from working in a bar to you know running your own business, that's obviously a humongous learning curve. How did you go through that self-education and learn what you needed to know to be able to run the business successfully? Oh, man, a lot of trial and error. You know, I wasn't afraid to you know, jump in feet first and start doing it. I read a lot of books and I was lucky enough to be or put myself around people that were more successful than me. And I would always ask questions. I was never afraid to ask questions, you know, especially when I got around high level, high performing entrepreneurs that were millionaires. Most people feel inferior when they get around people who have greater success than themselves. And I was, I had the same feelings. I had the same insecurities. However, I wasn't afraid to ask questions of how they got to where they they were, which they would, everybody loves to talk about themselves, right? So they would sit down and, and chat with me about what they did to become successful. And I would just take notes. And so it was like, this person was mentoring me without even knowing that they're mentoring me because I wasn't afraid to ask questions. I've, I'm sure you've heard people say, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And that is so true. You know, learning from people who have accomplished the things that you're looking to accomplish is really the greatest way to uplevel your skills and ultimately uplevel your life. So for someone who is looking to make a shift in their career path or start a business, what advice would you give on how to find those mentors, how to get yourself in front of those people who can really lift you up and teach you those things. I mean, there's a lot of different ways. You can go to live events, find out where there's an event around you where you know entrepreneurs are at, or if it's an in, in, in industry that you want to get into, go to those events. For someone to be a mentor, they don't have to know you. If they put out YouTube videos like Gary Vaynerchuk, you can just watch a ton of those videos and he's mentoring you without you even having to meet the guy. And so you can, there's plenty of stuff on the internet that you can research and watch that'll give you, that'll allow you to level up as an entrepreneur before you go into the space. Makes complete sense. So Tommy, one thing that I know is a big struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs is how to manage their revenue and their personal finances after going from living paycheck to paycheck to running a business. So really what I'm talking about is learning how to keep the money that you're making. Was that a challenge for you when you were starting out? That's a challenge for every entrepreneur. That's that's like the unspoken thing about finances when it comes to being an entrepreneur is it's very difficult to hold on to the money. But that's why so many entrepreneurs don't learn about accounting. And I don't mean QuickBooks. That's not accounting. That's a program. They don't learn about accounting and they don't understand like how much money they're actually making. A lot of entrepreneurs will look in their bank account and see, oh, I've got money in my bank account, so I must be making money. But what they don't realize is they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. And because they don't understand accounting, they don't realize that they're really not making any money. And there's a huge difference between economic profits and paper profits. You know, when you have an accounting program and it shows you paper profits, they may not be true economic profits. And so my advice would be, even though it's scary, it's this big bad wolf, 
understand accounting, understand how money works, how it flows through your business and how much money you're actually making. So then what advice would you give to young people in general or young business owners specifically and how to best manage their personal finances? I think a lot of people are afraid to ask questions when it comes to finances because they don't want to come across like they're ignorant or they're dumb. And I my the thing I would always advise is don't be afraid to ask questions to to your CPA or or your accountant. And when it, when it comes to your personal finances, pay attention to what you're doing. Go into your bank account every day and look and see what's going on with your bank account. Understand where you're making money from. My biggest thing is I, I would sit down and ask my CPA the dumbest questions. I'm like, I know you probably think I'm dumb for asking this, but, and I would ask a question and I would just, and that would lead into another question, into another question, into another question, because you really need to understand how money works before you can actually keep it. It's so true. And I find that it's very, very common, especially with you know new business owners where they're they're making money, even if they are making paper money, then at the end of the month, they think, gosh, where did all of this go? And so for me, I never really did any sort of budgeting before starting my business, but I found that it was absolutely critical. And so I found a tool called, you need, it's literally called youneedabudget.com. And <laughs> basically anytime any money comes into the business, you know, I'm taking each dollar and assigning it to, you know, where it's going to go, whether it's going to be to, to pay my accountants, to you know pay my contractors, or to pay my rent. And so when you get into that level of granular detail and start to plan out exactly how each dollar is going to be spent before it happens, it gives you so much more freedom and so much more control. It seems like it would be constricting, but really it is so incredibly freeing to just have that kind of visibility rather than burying your head into the sand and just kind of hoping it works out. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's, that's interesting because like if you're running your business off of looking into your bank account to seeing if you have money to pay whatever it may be, you're doing it wrong. Like we hired a CFO and she straightened out our books. Um, and it was amazing because instead of running the business off of my bank account, it turned into, okay, now I'm running my business off of my, off of my books. And I can understand, I can actually do projections. I can actually do sales forecasting. And it made my life so much easier to where the last few years of owning the business that I just recently sold, like I would barely ever even log into the bank account. I would just completely run the business off of QuickBooks. And that was it, which was, it was phenomenal. It made such a change in the way we ran our business. How did your mindset around money need to shift as you went from working at the bar to scaling a huge business? The more money you make, the more opportunity you have to get yourself into a lot of trouble. And people think the opposite. They think, well, the more money I make, uh, you know, the better off I'm going to be, which is true if you make the right decisions. So in that scenario, you have to have somebody who their job is to watch your money. Like we had over 200 employees. So I had to have somebody always watching the money. And that's the reason why we hired a CFO. And you have to have somebody there who you trust with, with your money. And that's going to give you the appropriate advice. Because with my CFO, instead of me, it went from me telling our accounting department what I wanted to happen to our CFO telling me, hey, check it out. 
here's what you can do this month. I would, I would go to her, hey, I want to buy this. Can I buy it? No, you can't. You have to wait till this month to be able to buy it. Okay, thank you. So now she's telling me what I can do with my business financially. And that's, that's so important to have somebody who's that laser focused on your finances to move forward, especially when you're, you turn into a multi-million dollar company. And did that growth follow a linear pattern or did it really come more in jumps and spurts? Definitely jumps and spurts. And yeah, jumps and spurts. Like there, there, we made mistakes. We lost money. And when I, when I say we lost money, we, we lost tens of thousands of dollars every now and then, which really sucked. But the times that we lost money were the biggest learning experiences for us. Could you tell us one of those stories? Sure. So before I hired, this, what, what got me to hire a CFO, I had two girls working in accounting and they really didn't know accounting. I just kind of put them in a position because I was like, ah, she just put some numbers into QuickBooks, you know, it spits out numbers, whatever, whatever. Uh, well, we ended up owing I didn't know that we we hadn't paid our payroll taxes for a few months and it was eight we owed the IRS eighty thousand dollars. Wow. And so we ended up, I was like, all right, because obviously we got a letter from the IRS. And so I was like, all right, just send them ten thousand dollars. And so we paid the IRS ten thousand dollars. That didn't even pay for the penalties. And so at that point, I was like, all right, I have some people in the wrong positions. I really need to get somebody in here who knows what's going on when it comes to accounting and how taxes work and how the money flows through a business. And so that was like the, the big eye opener to where I was like, okay, I really need to get somebody in here. Otherwise, it's going to cost me a lot more money and I could potentially lose my house because payroll taxes is like one of the only things that the IRS can actually take your house away from you. Wow. That's a remarkable story. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, putting the right people in the right place in your business is, of course, extremely vital. And I know for me in my Facebook advertising business, a big challenge has been navigating how to even start that process. So how to go from being a solopreneur to actually growing a team and giving up some of that control. So what was that like for you? And what advice would you give to someone looking to make that transition? It's tough. Uh, Here's my advice. Most people, most entrepreneurs make the mistake of hiring the available person, the easy person, their cousin, their brother, whoever. Well, they can do the job. They want to do the job. But the reality is their cousin or their brother or whoever it is, isn't the most qualified individual for the job. So my advice is find somebody who is qualified within the position you're trying to fill. So don't let your brother do the accounting. You want to find somebody who has accounting experience and preferably in the field that you're in and hire that individual because they're going to outperform any relative or friend that you put in that position. And how did you typically go about doing that? You know, was it leveraging your network to look for people or, you know, simply putting out job postings? How did you go about that? All of it. We did all of it. We would do job postings. We would search our network. Um, and it, it was more it was more putting out job postings that got you the, the qualified individual. Because if you're within your network, a lot of times people will come forward and be like, oh, I can do that. And then you dig a little bit deeper and you're like, yeah, you actually have zero experience doing what I need you to do. But they're, again, the easy person to hire. So a lot of times you make the mistake, I'll give them a chance. So yeah, it was we did like everything to hire people, job postings. We did search the network, you know, have people referred. I mean, all, all sorts of crazy things to get people hired. Makes complete sense. So shifting back to your journey with achieving financial success, 
Could you tell me how you define financial freedom now? And is that different from how you defined it when you were first starting out? Yeah, I think everybody has an idea of what financial freedom is. And really, the, the, I think the true definition of financial freedom is that, you know, how long, what, what's your burn rate? Like, how long can you go without having a job or have money coming in to be able to live, you know? And so I was lucky enough to be able to sell my business for seven plus figures, which gave me the, the ability to move to LA and do the things that I really want to do in life. And so like financial freedom to me is being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And money is not an obstacle like it is for most people. How did achieving financial success through the sale of your business affect your personal relationships? It didn't really affect my personal relationships because over time you evolve as a person and you said it a little bit earlier in a different way, but like the, the people you spend the most time with are who you become. And so I would always put myself around people that I felt like I was the dumbest person in the room. Most people have the idea when they grow up with somebody that they have to stay friends with that individual for the rest of their life. And it's like, mm, it's not like that. You need to put yourself around people who are moving forward. You can't keep yourself around somebody who's not going anywhere or growing just because they're friends. Doesn't mean that you have to discard them as a friend, but don't spend a lot of time with somebody who's not really doing anything with their life because they're just going to hold you back. They're going to be the biggest naysayers in your life. And so just continue to put yourself around people who want to grow and have the same vision of life that you have. And that means putting yourself around new people and making new friends who are going in the same direction as you. I know for me personally, one of the um, best ways that I've found to be able to do that to you know get myself around the kinds of people who were you know on the same track doing the sorts of things that I wanted to do was through mastermind groups and and things like that. Are you involved in any masterminds, and how has that impacted your you know, career trajectory and your growth with the swimming pool business and now Project Punchline? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you have to put yourself around successful people to be successful. And yeah, I spend tens of thousands of dollars in personal development every year. And it's so important to get around those people because they are going to hold you accountable. And they're also going to give you new ideas on how to make money. Every time I go to, I'm part of a, a mastermind called Connect. And it's just crazy. Like every time I go to Connect, I, I learn something new and it and it's, it's so valuable to invest in yourself because nobody can ever take that away from you. So I would say if, you, if you're if you an entrepreneur and you're not at least going to some live events or a part of a mastermind, you really need to consider doing that because they are a complete game changer. I completely agree. And of course, you know, there are masterminds at every single level, you know, all the way from free kind of networking groups to masterminds that cost, you know, six figures and up. And so I think that one thing that is so important for people to recognize is that if you do invest in a paid mastermind, that's really an investment in yourself. And one of the biggest uh, you know, differences that you'll find between a free mastermind and one that you pay for is that Everyone, you know, you of course are going to take that more seriously if you're paying for it, but so is everyone else in the group. And, you know, a mastermind that, you know, you might be paying, whether it's $1,000 for or $10,000 for or $100,000 for, you know, the other people in that group are going to be 
invested in building relationships there and in sharing knowledge and you know delivering value and getting value in return. So is that something that you know you would agree with and you know how has kind of pain to play and and growing those relationships impacted things? Oh, it's uh, like it's absolute like y- you I, I think on every level you have to pay to play. And I'll give you an example. I have a friend who sold his company for 180 million and he still pays to play. I mean, he never has to work a day in his life ever again, but he still puts himself around those people that are high caliber individuals, entrepreneurs have a different mindset. And also it puts you around people that are going to help you grow. I mean, the the people you spend the most time with, right? And it gives you the ability to make friends with some individuals that are super successful. So I think it's imperative to be a part of a mastermind. And I also think if you're an entrepreneur, if maybe you don't have the money to go to to a mastermind, then watch a lot of videos on YouTube. Or we used to do this in the beginning. We used to get all of our employees in the conference room and we would do a mastermind of the business on how to grow and make the business better. That way our employees would feel like they had a voice within the company and we would take their ideas and we would implement them. So it, it doesn't always have to be something that you pay for. You can even create your own within your own environment that is also helpful and productive. For any listeners who are newer to the world of uh, you know, either entrepreneurship or personal development, are there any influencers or content creators that you would recommend that they check out? I know you mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. Any others that you especially like? Oh, man, sure. For sure. Like Grant Cardone, Gary V, Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, Robert Kiyosaki, I mean, the list is long. There's a there's a ton of them out there. They're doing a lot of great things and, and provide a lot of great advice that'll really shift your mindset to be successful. And I'm a I'm an advocate about you know pay attention. You know, Gary Vee puts out stuff for free. You can get a, basically a business degree if you just watch his videos. Absolutely, you can. I love his content and he has a phenomenal podcast as well. So I definitely encourage listeners to go check out the Gary Vee audio experience if they're looking for somewhere to start. So Tommy, I am so excited now to dive into what you are doing with Project Punchline, using the medium of comedy to raise money for nonprofits. Of course, this podcast is all about how creating financial success allows you to multiply your ability to make a difference. So could you tell us first if you believe that to be true, and then specifically how growing your swimming pool business created the leverage you needed to do what you're doing with Project Punchline? We turned uh, the the pool business into a for-purpose business where we would donate a percentage of what we made to a nonprofit in its preservation of life. And I think people, obviously it helped. Making money obviously helped. But I also don't think that people should get so locked into financial distribution and contribution as a way of, you know, helping others. Like people don't realize just volunteering their time somewhere can impact so many people. And so obviously having financial success helped drastically with being able to write a check, but a check isn't always fulfilling. Like I would go to some of the, the sites where they would feed the kids for preservation of life. And that would have more impact on me than actually giving them money because I would see the people that I was impacting and seeing who I was helping. These are little kids that that's going to be the only meal that they eat all day, which is a crazy thought. And parents are standing in line with them knowing that this is the only way they're going to get food, which was 
incredibly emotional to see that. But I think that if, obviously, if you have the ability to make enough money to give some of it away, you definitely need to. I love that you put it that way because there really are so many ways to give back. And you know, even if you can't give back financially, giving back with your time, just like you said, I mean, it it really is something that's going to feed your soul and, you know, inspire you to do more and more to help others as you grow throughout your life. Could you tell us a little more about this nonprofit you mentioned, Preservation of Life, and what they do? Preservation of Life, they feed about 1,500 to 2,000 kids a day. Right now, they're in Houston and in Atlanta. And it's just a crazy organization. You know, it's that I, I can't even like 1500 kids a day. That's absolutely nuts. And they also provide after school programs for at risk kids. And they're making such a huge difference in these kids lives. It's just amazing what they do. And plus, one of my friends is the founder of it. And so I absolutely could get behind what they're doing because I can actually call him at any time and say, Hey, I want to go to one of the sites today. And I can see the, what my money's going to and who it is helping, which is pretty amazing. Cause most nonprofits you'll give them money. And you're like, well, I hope it ends up where I want it to go. But for them, like you can actually show up and, and see what they're doing. And uh, it's a, a pretty amazing feeling. When did you first recognize your drive to make a difference and build purpose into what you were doing with the swimming pool company? You know, I, I think everybody inherently wants to make a difference. Everybody inherently wants to impact others. And I think a lot of times the stumbling block that people come across is the fact, well, I don't have any money that I can give away. And that's, you know, we already talked about that. It doesn't have to be money. It can be time. I think that, you know, for a while I was on the fence with, with what I wanted to do. And really the clarity came through when I saw his name is Kenny, who is the founder of Preservation of Life. When I saw what he was doing, I was so, I, I admired him so much for what he was doing. I was like, that's incredible. I can't believe that he's doing what he's doing. And it really gave me the drive watching him going, you know what? I need to help him with what he's doing and make an impact too. So it was really watching somebody that I know help others that really made me feel like, okay, I'm not going to, instead of sitting around talking about it, I'm actually going to take action and do something about it and actually help him with his nonprofit. And now you're obviously making a huge impact with Project Punchline. What has been your biggest challenge in growing that organization? Uh, the biggest challenge in growing that organization is like any any challenge of growing a business. You know, you're you're working trying to get you know all the all the moving parts together, getting all the right people together, and it's you know a startup is always difficult, no matter what, no matter how much success you have. You know, I've dumped uh, quite a bit of money into the company. And just because you dump money into a company doesn't mean it's going to be successful. And so it's, you know, we're back at ground zero trying to grow the business. And it's, it's been a huge, huge smile on my face to see some of the nonprofits that we've helped out. But again, it's, it's a startup. So it's difficult. It's still, it's back to square one, but it's because of the process of building other businesses, I now know like how to build a business a little bit faster. And I know that I need to get the right people involved. And that's what we've been doing. So it's been great. How do you select the nonprofits that you work with? Is there any sort of vetting process that you go through when choosing a charity? Absolutely. We go and interview them. We sit down with them. We interview them. We make sure that they're viable. We make sure that the money that we're going to raise for them are actually going to go to a cause. 
you know, and we're, we're actually narrowing it down to where there's certain nonprofits that we've worked with in the past that nothing against them that we probably wouldn't work with them again. But yeah, there's a vetting process that we do to understand if we actually want to work with them or not. Could you tell us about some of your favorite nonprofits that you've worked with through Project Punchline? So obviously, preservation of life is one of the big ones. And it's not only because my friend is the founder, but it's just what they're doing is absolutely amazing. You know, feeding kids. There's another company called Kids Grub that does a similar thing as, as preservation of life, who feeds kids and, and does a similar thing that we love too. And then we've worked with Autism Speaks, which the, they do some incredible work. And, you know, the ones that are actually out there impacting and making a huge difference are the ones that we really, really want to work with. So what does the future of Project Punchline look like? So the future of Project Punchline is obviously we want to continue doing what we're doing, but we want to grow. And we're talking about actually, we currently we rent a theater whenever we do our comedy shows. And we're actually in discussions of actually opening up a comedy club. But obviously, what I would like to do with Project Punchline is, is way bigger than just a comedy club. Like we want to do Project Punchline Productions where we actually produce, you know, like Netflix specials and specials that for Comedy Central and that to, to, to a bigger audience where we can actually get viewers to understand what we're doing with raising money for different nonprofits and get viewers to want to make a difference and help with any nonprofits that they may have that are local and really change the dynamic of the way entrepreneurs and business owners think about giving away money. And that if you're, if you're a for-profit business, you imagine the difference. And I'm not saying, imagine that like everybody knows Tom's and everybody knows Nike. Everybody knows the mission of Tom's, you know, for every pair of shoes that are bought, a pair is given away. Imagine if Nike did that. Right. That'd be crazy. Like the impact that Nike could make if they did that, that'd be insane. And so what we want to do is change the way people do business into where if you're an entrepreneur, that you just automatically know that you need to be giving to a nonprofit. That's so powerful. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. You know, if if every entrepreneur could have that same mindset, in every business, there's an opportunity to think about, you know, how can I make this not only a for-profit business, but a for-purpose business. And so the fact that you are working so hard to not only do that with your own companies, but encourage other people to do that is a really incredible thing. So unfortunately, we are running out of time. And I'd like to move into what I call the impact round. So I'm going to ask you a series of short questions. And I'd like for you to respond with basically the first answer that pops into your head. You ready? Okay. Yep. All right. So who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well and achieve financial success? Honestly, myself, because if it, if it wasn't for me having the drive to be able to push forward and, and study other people who have financial success, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I know that sounds <laughs> uh, maybe narcissistic, but like I came from a family of like nothing. Like my sister and I lived in an efficiency apartment when I was 17. And so if it wasn't for my own drive, I wouldn't be where I am today. I love that. You're the first person who's given that answer. And I think that it's so powerful because especially if you don't have, you know, kind of obvious role models, having that motivation deep within yourself and the vision deep within yourself to go after big goals and, and chase your dreams is absolutely vital. 
Yeah, I agree. So who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and make an impact? Would you say it was your friend with uh, Preservation of Life? Uh, So yeah, I would say Kenny with Preservation of Life has been a huge impact. And another one would be Cole Hatter. He has a, a like an entrepreneurial event that he does called Thrive, Make Money Matter, where that's the whole purpose of it. He teaches entrepreneurs how to make money and make their money matter. And so he's been, he was a huge impact as well, just because his whole event is set up around making a difference in the world. I'll actually uh, be at Thrive in September, so I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so when you're having a bad day, Tommy, what do you do to get yourself out of the funk or a negative headspace? So there's a couple of things I do. Like if I'm in, if I'm having a bad day, generally I'll go work out because it helps significantly. And then, you know, like I'll say out loud things that I'm grateful for and it'll kind of change my mentality. And, you know, one thing I do every day is when I wake up, I go into the bathroom, I look at myself in the mirror and I tell myself, I say, I love you and I'm not going to let you down because I'm the most important person in my equation. Knowing that I can't let myself let me down is very important to me. So you mentioned a couple books that were really impactful for you starting out, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, and also Jack Canfield. What book do you find yourself recommending to people most often? It depends on what they're looking for. Uh, And honestly, the book I've probably recommended the most is Jack Canfield, The Success Principles, because you have to change your mindset to be successful. And that pretty much is what that book is about, is changing your mindset. So I'd probably say Jack Canfield, The Success Principles. What is one thing on your bucket list? I would like to travel the world and live in a different, like live in a different country for a month for probably 24 months. So just go to a different country, 24 different countries and live there for a month and, and really get engulfed in the culture. What would be the first country on your list? Probably Spain, Spain or Australia. Very cool. And lastly, Tommy, what is the worst piece of advice you've received related to success? And then on the flip side, what's the best piece of advice you'd give to our listeners? So the worst piece of advice, obviously, that I've, I've had about success is going to be, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, you know, you know, save for retirement. That's obviously the worst piece of advice for success, because then you're just like everybody else. And probably the best piece of advice that I've ever received was listen to your inner voice. Don't let the naysayers, oftentimes the people who are the biggest naysayers in your life are the ones that are closest to you, family and friends. Don't let them mash out your inner voice and prevent you to living what your full potential is because everybody knows what their potential is, but oftentimes they let the the influencers that are closest to them mash that out and therefore they won't follow their dreams. So don't let the people that are closest to you mash out what you know you're supposed to do in life. Thank you, Tommy. And as you know, here on the show, we have what I like to call the do well and do good challenge. So this is where we encourage our listeners who want to give back financially to contribute to the nonprofits that are nominated by our guests. So can you tell us which nonprofit you'll be nominating and why? Absolutely. Preservationoflife.org. They feed 1,500 to 2,000 kids a day. And the work that they do is absolutely phenomenal. I've been to their job sites and see how they operate and the impact that they're making. And I think that they are one of the best nonprofits out there. Excellent. Well, we will absolutely include that link and information about that organization in the show notes. So then lastly, Tommy, before we say goodbye, where can our listeners go to learn more about you, about Project Punchline and your events, and to follow your content? 
obviously I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have a website, TommyBarretts.com. I also have a website, ProjectPunchline.com, where they can see upcoming events for Project Punchline shows and stuff like that. So that would be the, those would be the places you'd be able to find out about what's going on. Perfect. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Well, everyone, that's our show. If preservation of life or any of the nonprofits shared by our guests touches your heart, make a contribution and then send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co. Your donation will be counted towards the Do Well and Do Good Challenge and included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having in making the world a better place. And as for me, well, each month I will be donating 10% of my after-tax income to whichever one of the nonprofits nominated by our guests that you vote for inside of our free Facebook community. Not only will we host the vote inside of the Facebook group, but I'll also be sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. So head to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook to join. That's dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook. In the group, you'll also find a link to my calendar where we can schedule a time to chat one-on-one about your goals, your ambitions, and how I can make this show more valuable to you. I'll see you there and thanks for listening.